Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. You're listening to Text Message, the UK-focused technology podcast with me, Nate Langson. And me, Ian Morris. And if you're one of our Patreon supporters, this is your extended ad-free version of the show. Thank you to patrons including Roger Martin, Neil Horton and PC Milesy, who are among those who are supporting us directly. You can join them, get access to our full-length ad-free show, listen and chat with us live as we record and get our exclusive extra show called, funnily enough, Extra Message. You can find out more, of course, by going to patreon.com forward slash UK tech. And as this show begins uh, this week, I hope your hard drives are sufficiently defragmented and any corrupted archives on their way to being restored from your network attached RAID array. One man whose mind is fundamentally just a large biological corrupted file is, of course, my dear, dear friend, Ian Morris, who uh, I understand is very well this week. But do you have any grievances you wish to air at this juncture? <laughs> the airing of the grievances. Um, I mean, nothing that I, I can't attribute to being older. I've just been back to the optician for the first time in some years. And uh, well, my eyesight's not getting better. So that's annoying. That is a that is a real shame. Well, I'm sorry to hear that. Although it's getting it's getting more expensive as well. What vision is or having it fixed? Yes, yeah, how having it fixed. Well, uh, no matter how bad your eyes are, I have to say I think uh, our patron Luke had it worse this morning. Who shortly before the recording of the program had a bird empty its bowels right into his fresh cup of coffee. Uh, which is something no technology has yet made avoidable. So commiserations, of course, to Luke and um, a slightly lesser consider- uh, commiseration to Ian on his descending qualities of uh, vision. <laughs> yeah. Nonetheless, we shall jump into some news this week. And The Guardian wrote that Amazon has partnered with the National Theatre to stream four high-profile live-recorded stage shows, including one of the BBC hit Fleabag. The shows, which include Benedict Cumberbatch uh, and Johnny Lee Miller in 2011's Frankenstein, will be made available to Amazon's Prime Video customers in the UK and Ireland from the 11th of June. The two other performances are Cumberbatch as Hamlet, filmed at the Barbican in 2015, and Sir Ian McKellen on stage, a solo show um, the Lord of the Rings actor toured in 2019 to mark his 80th anniversary. I didn't realise he was that old. I knew he was an elderly gentleman but 80 is above and beyond what I thought he was. Now, I'm in favour of this because I feel like theatre streaming is sort of a missing piece in a many uh, streaming catalogue puzzles. It's just not something that you, you tend to see a great deal of. However, and I'm interested in your thoughts on this specifically, Ian, I sort of feel like I'd be much more interested in this if you were able to stream a live performance, you know, where it would be different every evening or you know if a, an understudy steps into a, a, a prominent role you could perhaps see that ahead of time and tune in and watch a slightly different performance based on one you've maybe seen before uh, it would also encourage pay uh, you know perhaps re repaying for additional viewings would that be a would that be a thing do you think um i don't know i'm i'm not 
I'm not as interested in theatre streaming. Uh, I don't know. I think I'd rather see it in a theatre. I can see the advantages of not. Set that aside, though, for a minute. It's whether you're not whether you're interested in it or not. I agree that seeing it in a theatre is always going to be superior. However, if you're going to stream theatre online through a high-profile streaming service, it stands to oh. reason to me that it would be even more interesting if you were able to watch it in real time alongside other viewers and people in that theatre. It's just my two cents. Not trying to detract from getting access to more Benedict Cumberbatch, um, the premier voiceover of Dragons. Um, yeah, I mean, I get, I guess so. I get, I guess I would enjoy it live-ish i guess it's more of an incentive to watch it because it's happening right then and you know you can't say well i'll watch it next week or something like that if you you know if it was the same kind of thing where oh you know they they were streaming a a, a performance for say a, a month or something and you you know any evening that month you could decide to drop in and watch it then yes i suppose that would be good um i guess it's part of it part of the argument would be about how i handle it because um really what you don't you don't want to dissuade people from actually going to the theatre, so presumably these wouldn't be long-term things that would be on this platform forever, uh, because obviously at some point they might want to retour them or you know have them with a different cast or whatever, um, even if they were the same performance in you know in the way that they were put together by the director. Uh, so uh, yeah, I mean it, it it all sounds pretty decent to me, and there are lots of um, theatre productions that I guess I'd never get the chance to see. Um, yes. Especially when there are when there are short runs with particular people, I would like to see, and uh, you know, and obviously ticket limitations or price, in, in fact, being a huge stopper for that, really. And also, just theatre starts early; it can be quite difficult to get to. I guess um, you know, like if you're working, you might struggle to finish in time and get to a play. So yeah, who knows? Some of the first uses of uh, of telephones and telephone technology was actually to broadcast i think opera uh certainly classical music of some form remotely down a pipe so the you know the bourgeois classes were able to enjoy their their uh you know i think of the name of a of, of an opera off the top of my head which of course i can't but let's just assume that i can um enjoy some of what that would have been should i have thought of it ahead of time down a telephone which is basically all this is isn't it it's just a glamorous form of that <laughs> I mean, um, I suppose you could say that, yes. John in our chat room uh, asked if didn't uh, if uh, the live performance of Hamilton. Well, it was it wasn't live. The performance of Hamilton on stage on Disney Plus being was that the first? I don't know if it was the th- the first ever. It's certainly one of the most high profile ones I can think of. But what I do remember of seeing that is there are multiple camera angles that the show is performed uh, from or with or that, and actually. That's something that I find may detract from the feeling that you're watching a live performance because it's the uninterrupted single camera shot that is something that gives theatre its unique ability to entertain because you have to work around the confines of what the audience can see. Once you start using multiple cameras from alternate angles to get close-ups, it, while it's certainly uh, you know an enjoyable experience for many other reasons, it's sort of to me, feels like it would detract. And it's not something that I'm as keen on as just that kind of single static camera from the perspective of an audience member, you know, maybe just a few rows back from the front. I think um, I think that would be that would be a great option in some of these broadcasts if you can choose which you want. 
I don't know. Yeah, it's a, it's, I don't know. I, don't, I just think I think you'd probably find it wasn't as satisfying as you think because I think you need you need some you need some camera direction in order to sort of make up for the fact that your brain works differently when you're in a theater, I guess. True. Or you could do the virtual opera glasses where it's one camera, but it has a controllable zoom. You know, perhaps it's being filmed in 8K or even 4K, which would allow for a degree of, of you know, uh, quality preserved zo- digital zooming and panning. Yeah. That would be equivalent to, you know, popping in the 20 pence and getting your opera, opera glasses out of the front uh, of the chair in front of you and, and zooming in to see the the tears on Cumberbatch's delicately proportioned face. I mean, I'm I'm all for just letting a director do that. You think? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I've, I haven't watched all of Hamilton. I watched some of it. I, to be honest, I don't... I, I'm, I'm a little bit left behind by the hype. I didn't really quite get it. Um, but yeah, I, I think that's a quite well done production. It's, you know, in terms of the camera aspect of it, I feel like it, it brings something to it that would, in, you know being in a theatre is all well and good but it's it's not the same on tv if you just have that one view i think no no lacks the context of what's going on around if you can't look around true i suppose and intervals are never the same like seeing the theater part of that experience is during the interval going to the overpriced rapid service bar and buying a box of fruit pastels you know, the only place in the world you can get boxes of fruit pastels. Or we- can you still get boxes of fruit pastels? In my head, you can. Oh, you know. Well, I mean, it, I wish you could. It's it, it that really takes me back, actually. Yeah, and they're always different shapes. A box of fruit pastels. Yeah, that's uh, it's rather rather good. So one other final thing, just before we move on, is uh, I did wonder whether we should attempt to do text message in theatre form, in a play form. Fully scripted, multiple cast members, patrons filling out the audience, and maybe that's something we should do for our 300th episode is actually a performance piece of technology journalism. Not really been done before, possibly for good reason, but I'm... Uh, yes, I think probably very good reason. I think I, I feel like we might be a little bit too experimental there, but who knows? You never know. It might, maybe it'll make us millionaires. Maybe. Maybe we'll be the next uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber's... Except, you know, not an arsehole. <laughs> well, um, if you have... No, I can't say that. I was going to say... Strong opinions on Andrew Lloyd Webber. Yeah, if, um, exactly. I mean, he brought us Cats, uh, the music of which is uh, is truly delightful, the performance of which leaves something to be desired, i.e. storyline and a coherent narrative. Anyway, if you have opinions on any of this, uh, or thoughts on our actual news item, which is that Amazon's going to stream the National Theatre Plays, do let us know by sending us an email, uktechshow at icloud.com. BBC wrote that an irresponsible advert that encouraged inexperienced consumers to buy Bitcoin has been banned. A poster plastered over London's public transport by crypto exchange Luno said, quote, if you're seeing Bitcoin on the underground, it's time to buy. The Advertising Standards Authority said the advert was misleading and left out important risk warnings. 
Luno said the ads would not appear again and that future ads would feature an appropriate risk warning, according to the BBC write-up. Advertisements must be clear on the fact that the value of investments, unless guaranteed, can go down as well as up. And that's according to the ASA rules, um, which are being strictly enforced in this instance. And the watchdog also said that the simplicity of the, quote, it's time to buy statement gave the impression that Bitcoin investment was straightforward and accessible. This, of course, comes um, after the bank NatWest launched a cryptocurrency scam alert. The bank said it had received a record number of reports about such scams between January and March uh, 2021, which comes as no surprise. But seeing a formal warning being issued when you log into your online banking specifically about scams and Bitcoin investment or cryptocurrency investment in general is a pretty uh, stark warning that things are perhaps getting slightly uh, out of hand. Um, And I think we've had some discussion in our Discord about uh, before now that a lot of text message scams are going around right now and cryptocurrency and the interest um, that people have in it over the last 12 months has really, I think, fueled a massive rise in, well, not just losses, but also people who are surprised by the losses because they thought it was super, super easy to get involved in. Yes, and... I suppose to some extent it is it is a kind of easy if you're you know if you look into it briefly it's much more about the risk that concerns me than it is anything else um you know buying and owning a a portion of a bitcoin is as simple as going on a trading app and buying one like that they make it as easy as possible i think what people don't seem to understand and what's become extremely apparent in recent months is just how easy it is to manipulate the price of bitcoin and how everyone is sort of at the will of a few people who happen to have large twitter followings in some cases you can say elon musk it's okay we're all <laughs> friends here well yes i mean he, he's he very much has driven a lot of um concern i mean through action and just general chitter chatter um yep. you know his his decision to stop accepting bitcoin somehow through the market into panic something that i feel is is suggestive of its immaturity in that you know the people who are investing in it i.e probably people like you know normal people like anyone are not quite so able to shoulder the burden of musk making a a statement like that Uh, although to me it make any difference at all i didn't i didn't see that tesla or taking or not taking bitcoin was any sort of indication of its value whatsoever ridiculous but people did obviously panic now, I should point out just for professional reasons, because I, you know, in my actual job, I work for Bloomberg and write about financial topics. And so we're not talking about this uh, from a perspective of giving out any financial advice. Obviously, do your do your own research. I also do not own any cryptocurrency um, and not just because I'm not allowed to, but because um, I don't want to. And are you not allowed to? No. I mean, I write about it yeah. for one thing, so that's uh, that would be pretty problematic. If if only Musk was so ethical. Um, but but what I did find very interesting about the wording of the ad that has been banned in London is that I would say a far more accurate uh, wording to use would be: if you're seeing Bitcoin on the underground, it is absolutely one hundred percent time to sell quickly. <laughs> and I was having this conversation with my with my mum uh, just last night, actually, because she was asking me about about Bitcoin and crypto and, you know, whether it was something that would be worth worth doing. And I said, well, frankly, the very fact that you 
are asking because somebody you know has told you about it is the best possible sign you could ever have that you shouldn't do it. Because <laughs> with the greatest of respect to my mum, who is listening live and is indeed in the same house as me at the moment, um, she's not an investment minded person you know she's not following the latest macro trends of the stock market and the and and investment uh trends yeah, but you, things you, like you that you don't need to be i mean yes, I, I get what yes, you're saying yes 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 you do you do in this in this for something like this you absolutely do because it is the people with significant large holdings that have the unbalanced power to swing the market and generally speaking when something gets to the point that you know, parents at, at, at parents' evenings and across school fields are talking about whether or not to invest in, in, in cryptocurrency. It's only because it's got to such a fever pitch and value that the um that that they that they want to get involved in it. And that proves a perfect exit time for people who have been in it for the long term and are looking to cash out, which will inevitably cause a drop in the price, as we've seen. Well yeah, I I take your point, but that if that was gonna happen Surely that would have happened when it was at such a huge peak just a few weeks ago. It did. It's happened. It's it's happened time and time again. It has happened time and time again. And the question is, is particularly with something as fickle as Bitcoin, you know, which has no inherent. There's no. It's not backed by fiat currency. It's not backed by what a company is is or isn't doing. You know, where you can look at it profits its margins it, you know that the global industry the supply chains that determine what they do um there is none of that it's 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 a tr it's trades based purely on emotion speculation and so it will go well that is true go down and up and so my general view of whether someone should invest in crypto is if 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 you someone's told you about it at a parents evening that's probably a good sign that maybe don't do it um but as i say this think of it like a pyramid scheme maybe it's in everyone's interest if they've got crypto to get other people to buy crypto because that will push up the price and then they'll have a, a, a we're sitting on a fortune. I obviously I, I would if anyone ever asks you if someone should buy bitcoin just say yes 10 years ago and leave it at that. There was a guy who do you remember he um I think he he had something like I don't know what it is something something ludicrous like a thousand you know a thousand bitcoin or or, or more and yeah. um there was uh, i think it was papa john's pizza place in the u.s started accepting bitcoin and he tra Correct. he transferred all that for the price of two pizzas and it was 20 bitcoin or something wasn't it was it was it as little as that i know it was a lot um compared to what it would be today but but you know he would have been worth hundreds of millions of pounds that, or dollars it, it's actually just been the anniversary of the bitcoin pizza hold on i'll tell you tell me how much it is um yeah i mean there's lots of there's lots of terrible stories i think the thing the thing that would um have me put off um would put me off advising anyone to invest in bitcoin is just how easy it is to lose it um first of all there are people who are fraudulently taking bitcoin from people for you know through a lot of mechanisms secondly there's the sheer effort of keeping it safe if you opt to have a, a personal wallet there's been at least two high profile cases where one guy threw out a hard drive didn't he and, and has been asking the welsh government ever since if he can dig up the landfill site where he thinks it is yeah and there's that other guy in america who has forgotten the password and has uh, i think three tries left uh, and 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 cannot remember what it is. Um, I think he, he's he's in a better position because all he has to do is play the waiting game, and then 
get someone to hack it, you know, using a quantum computer in 20 years time or something, and then it'll have whatever Bitcoins on it is worth. Um, the, the, John asks in chat, is is it it's worth 100K? The pizza, uh, I'll tell you now. I've just looked this up. Uh, he sold, he bought two pizzas for 10,000 Bitcoin. Yes, I was quite wrong. And a Bitcoin today is worth about $40,000. So we are talking yes. a significant, a significant amount yeah. of, 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 of money. Let me just look at the... But the... of course, it, 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 I mean, it's a, it is a stupid thing in a way because it, it doesn't matter. It, you know, yeah, sure, it's worth a lot more now. But at the time, he probably got a pizza for mining on his home computer. Like that's such an absolute win. And if he had a lot of Bitcoin, but he's probably still got a lot of Bitcoin, maybe. I don't know. Yeah, but um, so the price of one Bitcoin today in pounds is uh, about twenty five thousand pounds for one Bitcoin. And he had and he spent ten thousand Bitcoins. So we, we this is a ludicrous amount of money that, that he would have had. I actually wrote a, a Business Week feature about three years ago or so about a gentleman who was very sad um, whose son died in a plane crash Um but his son was a very, very, very early miner of Bitcoin and he and he had a Bitcoin wallet. His father had no idea how many he had or whether they still existed. But the fact that he was involved in it so early meant that even if he had just even just one Bitcoin, that yeah. could have been a staggering amount of money. But he may have had tens, hundreds, thousands in, in, in this instance, but yeah. um, could never get it because there was no access detail left for, for how to gain access to his wallet. I'll include a link to that story that I wrote in uh, in our well, in our show notes. Also, pre- presumably, sto- stories like this are, are are part of the reason that Bitcoin's value may increase over time because people will lose access to their their coins, and you know, there's a substantial holding that no one knows where it is or who owns it. Um, you know, there's that the alleged founder is supposed to have quite a large percentage of those coins. Um, but no one really knows who that is, do they? Satoshi Nakamoto. No. Well, there's yeah, a there's a theory yeah. that it that that the name is a sort of um it's a a gestalt entity. It's it's multiple multiple people in one. But um, anyway, I think that's enough for, for this. Um, I'll include links to some of the stuff that we've talked about here in the show notes that are in the MP3 or at UKTechShow.com. Do your own research. Do not take this as financial advice, of course. Um, and go and read some stuff on some good websites about investing if you want to. I would suggest, I don't know, Bloomberg. It's a pretty good place. Uh, any thoughts you have on this, of course, do let us know. UKTechShow at iCloud.com. You're used to hearing the smooth, velvet sound of Nate's voice drizzled over your ears like a warm eardrum syrup, topped off with the freshly squeezed citrus tang of an Ian Morris opinion. Supporters of the show at patreon.com forward slash UK tech enjoy second helpings every week. So pull up a chair, find your nearest spoon, and tuck into a sumptuous extra helping with no commitment. If you have any allergies, please inform a waiter.
we had an email come in from Sam who says, um, I wanted to drop you a quick message following your chat in today's podcast about the ridiculous upcoming London e-scooter trials. I reminded It reminded me of how the current e-bike rentals in London are equally as absurd at times. I live near the Olympic Park and see many Uber bikes, but each time I check Uber or Lime, I see that it's not an approved zone to ride them in. We made this mistake when they were first launched and hired them around the park, only to realise that I was only allowed to drop them back in central London or I'd face a fine. I had no intention of cycling all the way in, so I just left it there where I found it and complained to Uber, who refunded me. But it's crazy that this is still the case and that these bikes still lie around areas where they don't have proper approval, I guess, due to individual boroughs approving, he says, which I agree with is almost certainly correct, uh, tempting you to hire them only to hit you with a fine if you leave them back in the same park. By the sounds of it, the scooters may be similar. Also sorry to hear that the Olympic Park doesn't have any plans to be part of the trial, uh, given the bird scooters were originally trialled there, and a park like that is much better uh, and safer area to ride them, in my opinion. Anyway, cheers for the rant and love the show. And thank you, Sam, for that message. I'd add double insult to injury because Bird isn't part of the trial anywhere in London. It's Lime, Dot and Tear. So um, not only is the Olympic Park that played home to the original trial on private land not a part of it, but neither is the company that worked in the Olympic Park to do the trial in the first place. So a bit of a shame for Bird there. But um, yeah, this this is a problem that I've experienced on the very rare occasion I used to rent a bike in London um, from uh, Jump as it was at the time it's now owned by uber and um yeah it turns out my office is in a zone you can't leave the bikes in so cycling to the office back to the office from a meeting uh, meant i had no choice but to leave the bike in a place i wasn't supposed to and pay a fine it's really quite tedious um so mm. thank you for that sam um well we're going to hear now from a certain gentleman who is going to keep us up to date about what's happened in the last week of technology news it is of course a Mr. Tom Merritt. This week on Daily Tech News Show, why Facebook's change in policy over whether you can say that SARS-CoV-2 was or was not man-made is an excellent example of the trouble platforms can get in when they try to decide what's true. Everything you need to know about the end of the epic Apple trial as well, why I think Amazon is not a tech company, and Shannon Morse explains how attackers used U.S. foreign aid to fish for backdoors. Oh, and Nate weighs in on Project Hugging Face. All that and much more at dailytechnewsshow.com. Well, thank you, Tom. Thank you to Ian. Um, our patrons who have listened to us live or who are listening on our extended version will have heard conversations about the new iPad Pro. We've had an in-depth review of my first week living with the brand new iPad Pro. Uh, if you want that, you'll need to become a patron and get our extended version, which includes everything we've just talked about and more besides. Um, Patreon.com forward slash UK tech for anybody who would like to get hold of that and hear our pre and post show chats. And um, Ian, I think unless there's anything you would like to add at this juncture, then I'm going to go away and edit a podcast and have an enjoyable Sunday. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. It's a nice day. Uh, everyone should be outside. Goodbye. Cheerio, everybody. Have a wonderful bank holiday week if you're in the UK. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.